0: Some say the acronym for the Bible is basic instructions before leaving earth. It is true that we can see God's plan for mankind from Genesis to Revelation. So today on the End Time Show, we will explore together what the End Time Church should be doing in the days just ahead. Well hello and thank you for joining me on The End Time Show. I'm Doug Norvell and my co-host Vince Stiegel is away today as you can see. Uh, he's been given a great opportunity though. Uh, he had this opportunity to go to CPAC in Washington DC. Now CPAC for those that may not know what it is it stands for a conservative political action conference. CPAC is one of the largest and the most influential gatherings of conservatives in the world. This event brings together hundreds of conservative organizations, thousands of activists, millions of viewers, and the best and brightest leaders in the world. This is the first for End Time and for Vince, and he'll be able to speak with and meet some of the very influential people in politics, in social media, and mainstream media as well. Uh, So please keep Vince and also End Time in your prayers. As we see the Lord opening some doors we've never journeyed into before and as we continue to walk by faith, uh, we're hoping that this opportunity will uh, bring about some some wonderful opportunities in the future for In Time to be able to uh, broaden our audience and expand in some of the places where our voice is heard. So with that being said, I'd like to show you a video clip that Vince sent to us because he knew we wouldn't be able to be here today. So here we go.
1: Hey everybody, miss missed being there today, but I'm at CPAC in D.C., it's uh, the biggest conservative convention all year long, and there's a lot of people here that I've been getting to talk about world government with, Bible prophecy with, and um, it's been a pretty cool experience so far, a lot more to come. A lot of people call me Doug Norwell here, believe it or not, but uh, nonetheless, I'll go by it if that's what it takes, but I miss being there with y'all for the show today. A lot of cool things are happening, we're meeting a lot of people here. And who knows what doors the Lord is opening up through this effort. So I'll be back next week. I'll see you then. Doug, good job on the show today. I know you're fine without me, so we will be okay. All right, I'll see you
0: guys. I am not fine without Vince being here, but nevertheless, here I am. Uh, Just wanted to let you know also, he's already sent me some uh, great pictures of some of the people that he's gotten to see, some of the people he's gotten to meet. So he's real excited, and uh, I believe that he he's even been able to hook up with Will Johnson out there. I know we have a lot of people that join our show uh, from the Will Johnson show, and so if you're watching that today, you may see Vince uh, on one of his programs. So uh, that's exciting. Also, he's also got to see. uh, I think he got to meet Donald Trump Jr. and uh, Mike Lindell last night. So. Uh, he's he's just kind of hobnobbing and rubbing elbows with some of the, you know, most influential people out there on the conservative side, so very exciting. Uh, like we've said before, we have a lot of exciting things that are happening here uh, at the End Time Studios, so you guys continue, like I said, to keep us in prayer, please. And. Uh, especially Vince while he's away there in Washington, D.C. So also wanted to tell you today, uh, just make announcements about our tour because we are excited about that. That is getting ready to come up Uh, is going to be from Wednesday, May 17th till Sunday, May 28th. Uh, We have 30 spots remaining and we're accepting registrations all the way up until March 21st. Balances must be paid in full by March 21st. Uh, if you have more questions, you can go online uh, to intime.com tour to see the flight schedule itinerary and pricing. Or you could also call our uh, tour team at 1-833-563-6063. So having said that, I just want you to know also that, you know, like we've been telling you, that this is one of those tours where uh, my wife and I will get to go along with Dave and his wife Jana. So we're really excited about that. Um, Me and Dave are, are really good friends. Uh, away from work anyway we're kind of like brothers from another mother is what we kind of call each other all the time so it's exciting for us to get to hang out and get to hang out with you guys that are going on a tour with us there's already a lot of people I know that are coming on that tour so I'm excited about seeing them too and uh, like I said we get to hang out with you this isn't something where Uh, You know, we aren't with the crowd all day. We get on the bus with you in the morning. We eat breakfast with you in the morning. We eat dinner with you at night. So we'll have plenty of opportunities for you guys to uh, talk with us and uh, just share your testimonies about uh, how you started um, listening to End Time and following the ministry. And we can talk about prophecy and I'll tell you this much, you'll never look at the Bible the same way ever again because all of the places that we read about in Scripture, we go to those places when we're in Israel and Jerusalem and the Sea of Galilee. I mean, it's just it's amazing. Caesarea by the Sea, all those things that you read about. And so when you come back from this tour, you'll never look at your Bible the same way. It's very, uh, very exciting to be able to go on those trips. So we look forward to it. Okay. So let's talk about the role of the church. I get questions all the time through emails and through Bible studies I teach. You know, what should the church be doing during the end time? And um, I believe that we have some great examples in the Bible. But Jesus told us very specific things about the end of days. We're going to look at those today. We're also going to look at a few stories from the history book in the Bible, the book of Acts. And I wish that I could even talk about the whole book. Maybe one day I'll have to come back and do a part two to this. But I picked some of my favorite stories to share with you today because I believe that these are those instructions we talked about where God shows us things. So starting in Matthew 24, 9 through 14, I want to start here because these are some of the things that Jesus told us about the last days. He said, then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you and ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Now I know that sounds frightening and very scary when we read that, when you first read that, but the Lord is trying to let us know that there's times of trouble coming and that's what that's about. In verse 10 he says, and then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall arise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endureth until the end, the same shall be saved. So listen to what that's telling us right there. The Lord is telling us just... All we've got to do is endure until the end, and we're going to make it through this whole thing. I know that when you read scriptures like this and you think about where the world is right now and where we're heading, these things can be very frightening. But we're going to find hope in some of these things we talk about today. So just hang in there with me as we move on. In verse 14 he says, And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then the end shall come. So the Lord is letting us know right there in Matthew 24 that the end is going to come, but it's not going to come until we're reaching the entire world with the gospel. There's a little bit of a clue about what our role is going to be in the church. He tells us that we've got to be prepared to share this gospel with all the people of the entire world. Now we're getting to go to a break here in a second. I don't want to move on. Uh, until we get back. So let's just hang right there. We'll take this break, come back with me and we'll really get into this Bible study. gain peace and understanding about what the Bible says concerning end time prophecy call 1-800-endtime or visit endtime.com/events for more information All right, welcome back to the End Time Show. We talked before about uh, Jesus giving us an idea of what that End Time Church is going to look like and what we need to be doing during that time. We looked at Matthew 24. Now we're going to look at the Gospel of Mark chapter 13, 9 through 11. This is Jesus telling us, the, uh, and this is Mark's Gospel explaining us the same situation there, but take heed To yourselves, for they shall deliver you up to councils. And in the synagogues ye shall be beaten, and ye shall be brought before rulers and kings for my sake, for testimony against them. And the gospel must first be published among all nations. But when they shall lead you and deliver you up, take no thought beforehand of what ye shall speak. Neither do ye premeditate, but whatever... So, whatsoever shall be given you in that hour that, that ye speak, for it is not ye that speak, but the Holy Ghost. So, what Jesus is trying to tell us there is there's going to be troubled times that we're going to be in, but our role is teaching the gospel to the entire world. And we don't, when we won't know what to say of ourselves, when we're sitting there and we're, we're just wondering, Lord, how am I going to do this? The Holy Ghost is going to speak for us. This should be very exciting for all of us. And this is why when I, when I hear people say, how do I teach the gospel to somebody? How do I go and teach Jesus to someone? Well, if you're a spirit led individual, the Lord will help you through those times. Whenever you open your mouth, it's going to be things that are being glorified for God when you're teaching people about the Lord. And the one thing we have, we talked about it the other day, everybody's got a testimony of what the Lord's done for them. No one can take away from your personal testimony. No one can say that's not true, that didn't happen. That's your personal testimony. And so we all have that. God gives us that. And the trials and the tribulations we go through in our personal lives, those are ways that God brings us through those times so that we can share that with people and then be able to share the gospel with them. There are people that you can reach that I would never be able to reach, that Dave Robbins would never be able to reach, or Vince Stegall would never be able to reach. But you can reach audiences that we wouldn't be able to just by sharing your testimony and then by sharing the gospel. So that's what the Lord tells us that we should be doing. And we need to look... um, at what he told the disciples just before he left. We call this the Great Commission. This is what uh, most people refer to. Uh, and they refer to this particular verse out of Matthew 28, 19. But we're going to look at all three of the Gospels here of Matthew, Mark, and Luke and see what Jesus told the disciples just before he left the earth. So Matthew 28, 19 says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Like I said, lots of people, this is the Great Commission verse that we hear. But these other scriptures were written by other witnesses that wrote down more information and it goes along with that same verse. So this is Mark's gospel, Mark 16, 15, and 16. Jesus speaking here says unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And then Luke tells us in Luke 24, 45 through 49. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. Now let that sink in just a second. Because what that is telling us right now is that the apostles that had been with Jesus throughout his ministry and watched him do miraculous miracles, heard every word he spoke, listened to him pray, prayed with him, watched him heal people, everything that he did, he still had to open their understanding of the scriptures so that they would understand everything. Verse 46 says, And he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem, until you be endued with power from on high. Well, this is exactly what the apostles did. In the book of Acts in chapter 2, we read that they waited for the promise of the Holy Ghost. Well, then when they received the Holy Ghost, they went into Jerusalem and began to preach the gospel. Peter preached the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ from Acts chapter 2, 22, to verse forty, I'm not going to take time today to read all that because of uh, it would take a lot of time for me to read that whole section to you. But you can go back and read that. The book of Acts is a wonderful Bible because, or a wonderful chapter because. The book of Acts is like the book of history, it's the Acts of the Apostles and it gives us an idea of what the early church did and how they did things. It's very important to uh, our Christian discipleship. As we grow as Christians we can go back and read that just like we do in school when we read history of what's happened in our world, if, if we read the history we can learn from that history. It's the same thing with the book of Acts in the Bible. and so. I challenge you to go and read chapter 1 and 2. I'm going to hit some particular chapters today uh, just to share these stories with you because I want to increase your faith and show you what they did under times uh, that were very perilous and very troublesome for the apostles. So in the very next chapter of Acts, in chapter 3, Peter and John, they're heading to the temple and they heal a crippled man at the gate beautiful. In Acts 3, 6 through 10, this is what scripture tells us. Then Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he leaping up stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. Now think about that for a second because they're walking into the synagogue and there is a scene being uh, exposed here with this man that everybody knows has been crippled since birth. He's been at that same gate uh, every Sabbath, every, uh, every day that they go to the synagogue. This guy's there begging. And they've seen him there. They've known he couldn't walk. And here he comes walking in with Peter and John. He's jumping up and down. He's praising God. He's so excited because the bones that were crippled up are now straight and able to support his weight. I mean, imagine the excitement that he had, but also imagine the people sitting around and and what they saw. Then imagine what the priests were thinking and what they were going through at the same time. So starting back with verse 9, and... All the people saw him walking and praising God and they knew that, he, that this was he which set for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. Now, does this really sound like something that we can be doing in the end time church? I mean, could we be doing that right now? Should we be doing that right now? We have the same promise. We serve the same God. And Jesus actually said that we could do these things. In John 14, verse 12, Jesus says this. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto the Father. So Jesus is letting us know that we have this promise of being able to do the things that He did and even greater things that He did because now He's in heaven and He's shed out His Holy Ghost. He's given us the power that He promised, the power to endure through these things, the power to work in the Spirit and do these miraculous things just like Jesus did. And this is a promise. In Mark 16, where we were a while ago reading the Gospel of Mark, Starting in verse 17 and 18, we get this promise. And these are the signs that shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. That's in your Bible, folks. It's the same Bible I've got, same Bible you got, same promise that all of us have. Or is this something that was just for the apostles? We're going to keep looking, but something that I know people are going to jump straight to after I read that verse. So let's just look at a scripture to uh, kind of explain what happened there. This is one way that we can be assured that Paul was a born again believer in Jesus. He picked up a snake and it bit him and he didn't die. This is found in the book of Acts chapter 28, 3 through 6. It says, And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, there came a viper out of the heat, and it fastened on to his hand. And when the barbarians saw this venomous beast hang on his hand, they said among themselves, No doubt this man is a murderer, whom though he had escaped the sea, yet the vengeance suffered not Uh, suffereth not to live. And he shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm. Howbeit they looked when he should have swollen or fallen down dead suddenly. But after they looked a great while and saw no harm come to him, they changed their mind and said that he was a god." So picture this for a second. they, They see Paul who's on this ship. The ship, if, if you know the story, they're coming to uh, the, the island of Malta there. They get in a storm. The ship hits the reef. It's torn to pieces. Uh, they, they have to swim to shore. These people are watching. They say, man, this guy survived a shipwreck only to come here and get bit by the most venomous snake on our island. He's going to die soon. So he must have been a horrible person. But then when Paul doesn't die, well, now they're looking at him as if he's God. So Paul had to straighten all that out and help them to understand that it was because of the Lord Jesus that he didn't die. But you know what else Paul did while he was shipwrecked on Malta? He also healed many people in the name of Jesus. So all this was was happening so that people would see that he was a disciple of Jesus Christ. And we have those promises. Uh, do we have that same promise or, or is that just for the apostles I asked you a while ago? Well, of course we have that same promise. We serve the same Lord Jesus. And the book of Daniel gives us a prophecy specifically for the end times. And here's what it has to say. You've heard this a lot if you followed end time for very long. In Daniel eleven thirty-two, 32, it says, But the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. So think about that. We have that promise of the end time. There is a time coming where We're going to be ramped up and so spirit filled and living for God. And we really need to be doing that right now, folks. With everything going on in this world, there's no better time than right now for us to get right with God and and begin to start seeking after the gifts that God tells us we have and the promises that God starts telling us that we have. But we need to be in churches that are spirit filled, that are leading us in the right direction. And we need to be following the Word of God and not listening to traditions of men, but following the Word of God. So I believe that Daniel chapter 11 is speaking specifically to us. Remember, Daniel was told when he he wrote this prophecy to close up the book, Daniel, because this is not for you to understand, but it's for the people of the time of the end. We're those people, folks. We are in the time of the end. And these promises are for us. So when the apostles responded to the Holy Ghost and they submitted themselves to the will of the Lord... They didn't have to worry about consequences or the boldness of their actions. Peter and John begin to preach the gospel of Jesus again in that same chapter of Acts, chapter 3, telling people in the verses 13 through 20, The God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob and the God of our fathers has glorified his son Jesus, whom ye delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate, when he was determined... To let him go. But ye denied the Holy One and the just, and desired uh, a murderer to be granted unto you, and killed the Prince of Life, whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. And his name, through faith in his name, hath made this man strong. He tells the folks it's in the name of Jesus that raised this man up and made a crippled man walk again. He also says whom ye see and know ye the uh, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. And now brethren I want that their ignorance ye did <laughs> I'm sorry. I wrought that through ignorance ye did this. So through your ignorance you did this. You crucified Jesus as did also your rulers. But those things which God before had showed by the mouth of all his prophets, that Christ should suffer, he hath so fulfilled. And then Peter says, Repent ye therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. And when the time of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord, and he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you. Listen to the boldness that Peter had. He's standing. In the synagogue, the Jewish synagogue, they thought it was blasphemy to say that Jesus was God. And here's Peter telling them, this, this man is healed through the name of Jesus by Jesus. The one that you crucified, the one that God raised from the dead. And he says, I know you did it by ignorance, but you did it just the same. Remember what we talked about before with Jesus in Matthew 24. We'll go back there and look at that to remind us right after this break. So stay with me.
2: Our hope is to help prepare you for that day. God bless you, and we love you.
0: Welcome back to The End Time Show. I'm Doug Norvell. uh, Minus Vince Stegall today at the top of the hour, we talked about he is... Had a great opportunity to be at CPAC um, in Washington, D.C., being able to meet some very influential people. So we're hoping that God is about to open up some doors that we've never gone through before. So like I said before, please be in prayer for Vince. Uh, also wanted to remind you that uh, we still have 30 spots remaining for our Israel tour. Uh, you can contact intimecom uh, slash tour or call our intime. Uh, team to ask more and get more information about those 30 spots we have available. The trip is from May 17th to uh, May 28th and the number you can call is 1-833-563-6063 and ask for our tour team and they will help you with any questions you may have. Love to see you on that tour. So before the break, we were talking about what this end time church should look like. We get those questions all the time. What should the church be doing in the end time? Uh, Many people know um, what our view is on the tribulation and we believe that the church is here throughout the tribulation. We have a post tribulation view on that. We have many teachings uh, on end time plus as well as in our archives on intime.com that you can go back and you can watch some of the programs that we've talked about, the rapture and the timing of that. So people ask us, well, what should the church be doing in that time and what is that gonna look like? So we talked about before the break, uh, Matthew 24 and Mark 13, where Jesus told us there would be times where we would be taken before the synagogues and we would be beaten. Things like that would happen. Well, this is one of those times where this scripture was fulfilled And so we're going to look at exactly what happened to Peter and John. Uh, So many people had seen this miracle. Remember, before the break, we talked about the crippled man that had been crippled his whole life at the Gate Beautiful. Uh, They told him in the name of Jesus to rise and walk. And then everyone saw this miracle happen. And a whole lot of people were converted at that time. They saw this and they believed. And Peter went in and taught the gospel of Jesus Christ right there in the synagogue in the midst of all these people, in the midst of uh, these high priests and these Sadducees and Pharisees. So they arrested them, and they took them before the high priest. So we're going to pick this up in Acts 4, verse 7 through 14. And remember, the book of Acts is the Acts of the Apostle. It's like our history book. Okay, So we're going to start with verse 7. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have ye done this? And then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, remember what Jesus said, When you go before these people, even if you don't know what to say, the Holy Ghost will intercede for you. He said, don't even premeditate. Don't even think about what you're going to have to say because it'll be the Holy Ghost speaking through you. So when Peter says this, Peter is filled with the Holy Ghost. So remember that. And he says this unto them, Ye rulers of the people and the elders of Israel, if we this day be examined for a good deed done to the impotent man... By what means he is made whole? Be it known unto you all, and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him do this man stand before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which is become the head of the cornerstone, neither is there salvation. Get this, folks. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among man whereby we must be saved. You hear what Peter's saying right there. He's taught the gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And now he's saying there's no other name under heaven whereby we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. And beholding the man which was healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. So they've got all this proof. There's the proof and the evidence. And they asked them, how'd you do this? Well, What'd they do? They shared their testimony of how this just happened. Remember when we were talking about that before, we all have a testimony. Well, nobody could deny what Peter and John had done. and Now they're asking straight up, how did you do this and by what name did you do this? And Peter tells them, and here's this guy that's been crippled his whole life and they've just healed this guy and nobody could refute the fact that this was true. So why are we talking about this today? Because the Lord's given us the acts of the apostle to help us understand the way the church should function in the times just ahead. We're not a church that's going to function in fear. Even if everything seems like chaos around us. You guys, if I didn't know the Lord Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and if I knew my name wasn't written in the Lamb's Book of Life, I would be scared to death of some of the things we see in the media and some of the things they try to push on us and make us be fearful. If all you hear every day is World War III and uh, pestilence and, and uh starvation and earthquakes and all that stuff. If, if you heard that and you didn't have Jesus, you would be scared to death. But we know these things are going to happen because Jesus said, I tell you before these things so that when they begin to happen, you will understand and believe. And here we are. So it wasn't just Peter and John that was doing these exploits and boldly teaching. Okay, I don't want you to think, well, that was just for, for the leaders of the church or you know, that's just for our preachers to do stuff like that. No, it's nice for every single one of us. Stephen, remember who Stephen was. He was a spirit-filled believer and he was one of the young men that was chosen by the apostles to help make sure that the widows and the orphans all got food. Remember in the book of Acts where uh, some trouble came up and they said some people were being neglected and they weren't getting their fair share of food and rations and things like that because everybody was kind of coming together and sharing everything. And then the apostle said, look, we, we don't have time to wait on these tables. We need to select these men that are spirit filled. So if if you are just a you know a deacon at your church or if you're a greeter at your church or if you're a Sunday school teacher and you think all this stuff would be for somebody who uh, is a pastor and a leader of the church, it's not. Nice it's for all of us. Stephen, in the book of Acts chapter 7 delivers an awesome sermon. It's beautiful. You should go and read Acts 7 and read this whole beautiful sermon he lays out. It's wonderful. But you know what happened? They stoned him to death for it because it pierced their hearts so badly that these people couldn't stand hearing what Stephen was saying to them. It made them be enraged and they ended up stoning him to death. But you know, sometimes God uses tragedies. We wonder why things like this happen. And, and everything you read about Stephen, it was almost as if he was angelic. And and so he must have been a a very attractive young man and and angelic looking and, and sweet and tender in the way he did things. I actually knew a Stephen in my life, and that's the way this young man was. He actually died from cancer. But because of this young man passing away of cancer, it spurred me on to chase after God and want to know more about God. And it helped move me. And I tell you that because that's the same thing that I believe happened to Stephen in Acts 7. It happened actually to Saul. So... We know sometimes God uses these tragedies to witness to somebody, to change their life, to turn them completely upside down and inside out. Tragedies happen sometimes. And what do we do? We can do one of two things. We can either turn from God and blame God for things, or we can begin to seek God closer. Well, I want you to know that as Stephen was dying, there was a man named Saul, a self-righteous Pharisee full of zeal. And he prosecuted the followers of Jesus. The followers of the way is what they were called up to this point. And he held the coats of the people that hurled the stones, killing Stephen. This is what the book of Acts says happened when Stephen died. So Saul was standing there holding the coats of people that were throwing the stones at him. And this is what he heard Stephen say. Acts 7, 59 and 60. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. So Stephen's dying and he he calls upon the Lord and says, Receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and he cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said that, he fell asleep. And what that means is he died. And I believe that Saul went home that night and he thought, I don't have what that young man has. We see later in the book of Acts that Saul was converted on the road to Damascus. And we know Saul became Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles. I believe that that moment when he saw Stephen dying, bloodied and beaten to a pulp, look up to heaven and say, Lord, don't charge these people with this sin because they don't understand what they're doing. That was just like what Jesus said on the cross when he said, Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Saul witnessed that and I believe that was part of what helped change his life. So when we look at the book of uh, Acts chapter 8, we see that Saul was beginning to really persecute the church even more vigorously. uh, Now he began to go house to house and arresting Christians. And this caused the disciples to have to go to other areas. So because this tribulation began to break out where they were, they had to spread out. They had to go. And folks, that may be what we have to do. Uh, Not just here, but in other countries. There are missionaries right now. I know lots of people like to say God will not beat up his bride, but there are missionaries in areas right now that it's very dangerous for them to be there. And if they are found that they're there teaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, they're either going to have to flee or they're going to be arrested or they're going to be killed. And that's happening today in places all around. We pray for missionaries all over the world that we're connected with that are in these situations. And so that's what happened to these apostles. They had to spread out. They had to go. So we, we talked on Tuesday's program about Philip reaping a harvest that the woman at the well had started after she got to meet Jesus at the well there in Samaria. It's a beautiful, wonderful story. And we covered that a little bit the other day. So I won't talk about that. But what I do want to talk about is Philip's encounter with an Ethiopian eunuch. Because truly this story fascinates me. And I use this story a lot of times to help people understand some interesting things about baptism. So Acts chapter 8, verse 26 through 29 has the account of Philip and the Enoch. So here we go. It says, And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is the desert. So here's Philip He's had this great revival in Samaria. Now the Spirit of the Lord is telling him to go somewhere else. And it says, He arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning and setting in his chariot, read uh, Elias or uh, Isaiah, I'm sorry, the prophet. And then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to the chariot. So here's Philip out in the middle of the desert. Here comes the guy all of a sudden in his chariot. And the Spirit tells him he's reading uh, from the book of Isaiah. Go over and talk to him. So we talk all the time on this program and in this ministry almost daily talking about how we need to be Spirit led. Uh, and, And this is what we're talking about. Many of you know what it means when the Spirit speaks to you. You know how that feels, you know what it sounds like. The Lord's leading you in a direction to say something to somebody. I remember one time I was driving a school bus. It was something I was doing while I was a youth pastor to help supplement my income. I pulled up to a stop, uh, stoplight and there's a city bus stop there and there's a woman waiting for the city bus. And I'm on my bus and the Lord's telling me, open your door and tell that lady I've heard her prayers. And I was afraid to do that and I missed an opportunity, but we know what it feels like when the Spirit talks to us. We'll look at this more when we come back from this break, so stay with me. Welcome back to the End Time Show. I'm Doug Norvell. Uh, just wanted to uh, remind you that um, I am by myself today because Vince is out at CPAC experiencing that opportunity in Washington, D.C., Uh, I need to kind of move quickly here because I've still got a lot to cover and we only have a short time. And so I apologize for not taking your calls today. We were talking before about how the Spirit moved Philip and moved him into a desert place where a eunuch from Ethiopia was traveling. Reading from uh, Isaiah. He's actually reading uh, from the book of Isaiah chapter 53. We're going to move on and start in Acts chapter 8. Uh, This is 30 through 39. And it says... Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandeth that, that thou readest. And he said, How can I, except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and set with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shears, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or of some other man? And then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came to certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Let me stop there for a second to talk about this for a minute. If you've ever read Isaiah 53, it's where this man was reading. If you've ever read that chapter, there's nothing about water bapti- water baptism in that chapter. Okay? But the the scripture tells us that Peter taught him about Jesus from these scriptures, explaining what the Great Commission is, and the eunuch, uh, he understood that he needed, to be, he needed to believe and he needed to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And that's from the gospel that Philip shared with him. Okay? So the gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection, he understood from what Philip taught him that he needed to be baptized in water. So continuing in 37, and it says, Philip said, If thou believest with all thy heart, thou mayest. And he answered and he said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariots to stand still. And they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch. And he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught away Philip. And the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing. Wow, can you imagine being caught away by the Spirit of the Lord and carried to another location where the Lord wanted you to preach? We may not have to worry about gas prices in the end time because God could just pick you up and take you wherever He wants to take you. It's pretty awesome and that fascinates me about the story. The whole thing that happens there that transpires, the guy understands from reading Uh, Isaiah 53, that he needed to accept the Lord Jesus to believe him and be baptized in the water. And then he goes away rejoicing. Some of the scriptures tell us that that rejoicing was the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Pretty amazing when you really look at what was going on in that picture and what God did. So God can do anything, folks. And it's not just for the apostles. This is a promise for all of us. All right, one more out of the book of Acts before we move on. After Paul was converted, so Saul had his road to Damascus uh, experience where he was blinded and he said, Who are thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you persecuted. And so Saul was then converted. He went to a man named Ananias. He uh, received the Holy Ghost. He uh, was baptized in the name of the Lord. And then he began to preach the gospel unto the Gentiles. And so this is a time that we're going to talk about here where he and Silas were on a missionary journey together and they ran into a little bit of trouble when Paul cast out a demon in a soothsaying young woman. Her master, he lost his income because she no longer had that ability to give people their fortunes uh, because now the demon had been cast out of her. So Paul and Silas were arrested. And here's what scripture tells us happens. Okay, This is Acts 16, 22 through 33. And the multitude rose up together against them and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded them, beat them. So they were beaten. Remember, Jesus said times were coming like that. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they were cast into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. So not only are they in a cell, Now he puts stocks on their their ankles, chains. And at midnight, Paul and Silas, did they cry and, and whine about their predicament and say, Oh, I thought the Lord loved us. No, this is what they did. Midnight, Paul and Silas, they prayed and they began to sing praises unto God. Okay. I tell you, there is nothing more awesome than to be in a dark place and start hearing praises to God be saying out when you think there's no hope and all of a sudden you hear the Lord's name being called out with praises and songs. But these prisoners heard them. Everybody in that prison heard. And then guess what happened? And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison awakened out of his sleep. Seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword. Okay, but he drew out his sword so that he would have killed himself, supposing that his prisoners had fled. Remember, he was given a charge. You keep these people safe. He knew that if they got away, he was going to die. So he was ready to kill himself and fall on his sword. But Paul cried out with a loud voice saying, Do thyself no harm, for we're all here. And then he called for light. And... Uh, And sprang in and came trembling, the guard did, and fell down before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? He knew because of all of the things that had transpired that he needed what Paul and Silas had. He said, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord. So they shared with him the gospel of Jesus Christ and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of night. Remember, it was midnight. He took them the same hour of night. So it's in the middle of the night. He washes their stripes, cleans their wounds, and he was baptized, he and all his, straightway. Now think about that for a second, folks. It's midnight. Paul and Silas preached to this jailer and his whole family. He woke everybody up to tell them, what they need to do to be saved. And he told them about Jesus and then he baptized all of them. Now some people try to, try to teach that Paul preached a different gospel and, and there's evidence in this scripture that that's not true at all. He taught them about Jesus Christ and he baptized everybody. But we could probably do a whole lesson on that topic. I'm not going to go there today. Maybe that needs to be a topic for another time. But trust me, Paul taught the same gospel as Peter and Philip and all the apostles did. It's the same gospel we teach. And remember what Paul's words are in Galatians 1, 8. But though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let "let him be accursed. So it lets us know if anybody comes teaching any other gospel other than the one that we've taught you, then let curses be on them because they're teaching you the wrong thing. That's so why I say we got to get away from tradition. We got to look at what Scripture says, and that's what we need to follow. Okay, so remember, what, what are we doing today? We're, we're looking at how the end time church should operate. During times of tribulation and persecution, this is the way the apostles operated. They weren't afraid, they were boldly proclaimed the gospel to everybody, even up until the point of death. And remember, 11 of the 12 apostles. They were killed for their faith and for preaching. Scripture tells us that perilous times are, are coming for us as well. I'll Just share with you real briefly. When we went on tour to Israel, we did a, a split tour uh, the last time I went where we went to Israel for part of it and then we went to Rome for the second part. And we went to Israel first and you go to Israel and you feel all this excitement and you're just amazed at everything. We went to Rome and you could almost feel an oppression there. But we go to uh, this cathedral. It's it's like St. Paul's Cathedral. I can't remember the exact name of it there in Rome. But we go there and this is a place where it's celebrated uh, the things that happened to Peter and and Paul there. Um, You know, they had a golden door and on there it depicted Peter being hung upside down on the cross. It depicted uh, Paul having his head chopped off. This all happened under the Emperor Nero. And so it was like, it was almost like celebrated. But, you know, I mean, we are supposed to consider every trial we go through as a blessing because we're going to be martyred for Jesus Christ. And so that's really the perspective that the tour guide was kind of taking us on. But the book of Revelation, going back to our generation and our time and the things that are going to happen. Lots of people don't believe that we're going to have to face things like this, that we're going to be raptured out. And if that's what you believe, then more power to you. And, you know, that's okay. We can still be friends. And I just believe that scripture tells us so much more than that. And Revelation 13, 5 through 10 tells us this. And there was given unto him, him being the Antichrist, a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies. And power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God and to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him. Not everybody, though. I know it says all there, but look. It said, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. Look at that. The Lamb was slain from the foundation of the world, folks. From the time of Genesis, God's plan was that Jesus would come and die for our sins and be a perfect sacrifice, and his blood would cover our sins one time and for all time, and our names would be in the book of life. It says that he that is ledeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. So the Lord tells us we've got to have patience. We've got to have faith through this time. We need to be operating and functioning like the apostles were in the book of Acts. We shouldn't be afraid. No, not at all. I'm sharing this with you today, not to scare you, but to build up your faith. This is how the church needs to function in the last days. We should be spending every moment of every day seeking the Lord. We should be praying. We should be fasting. We should be reading His Word. We should be allowing the Spirit of the Lord to lead and guide every single step we take. Everything that that happens in our life, we need to be praying and asking God, direct me in this situation. What are you trying to teach me in this situation? Help me get through this situation. And folks, we're going to be fine because our reward is on the other side. When we get there, none of this will matter. You've heard Dave say before, you'll be a smashing success if your feet leave the ground at the rapture. So i tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to do what Joshua 24, 15 says, but for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. That's what my plan is. I'm going to do whatever the Lord wants me to do. But remember this promise as well. And remember that this is something the Lord tells us about those times. Matthew six thirty-one through 33. Therefore, take no thought saying, what shall we eat? Don't worry about famines. Don't worry about food shortages, and what shall we drink? Don't worry about what the water could have in it or anything like that. Don't worry about running out of water. God is gonna supply our needs. It says, and wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all, these things the Gentiles seek for, but your heavenly Father knoweth that you need all these things. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. That's our promise, folks. Don't fear trust God, seek his kingdom and his righteousness, we're going to be fine. This church is going to be on fire and we're going to be full of exploits and strength in Jesus name. See you later. Have a great day. God bless.